for that. Um, today, I want to I want to bring you a message and it's it's entitled uh, moving on up. And when I said that, some of you automatically had a theme in your saw in your head and you heard this, something that went moving on up to the east side. Right. Some of you heard that and you, and you instantly thought of who? The Jeffersons, which are who? George and Wheezy. Come on, somebody. You were thinking about George and Wheezy. But listen to me. I'm not necessarily talking about that kind of moving on up. But if that helps you remember the message, then praise God for that. Okay. Uh, But today I want to talk to you about how Jesus moved on up. I want us to take a, a good look at the cross, the grave and the resurrection. And then and then I'm going to wrap the whole thing up with the ascension into heaven. But I want us to understand clearly that Jesus had an just an incredible passion to finish what he was here for. He had this thing about him that just went, I'm here for this. I'm going to take care of business because there's a greater place that I'm going to. Right. I'm going to come down here. I'm going to make a way where there is no way. I'm going to come down here, take care of business with passion. You see, when I when I watch the story of Jesus, when you when you've read your Bible for a, a period of time and you you've been over the gospel a couple of times, you begin to get this. It takes me a little while to get this outside um, kind of this this different perspective of the scriptures. And, and so when I look at the Gospels now, when I read them, I read with the front and the beginning and the middle in mind. And I, I see how Jesus moved and operated. And, and this, this cord's driving me crazy. Can y'all tell? Yeah, whatever. Okay, there we go. Maybe that'll work. But I, I see how Jesus, from when he was born, I mean, just a young child, his parents lost him. Remember that? Where was he at? He was in the temple. Right. Constantly, he was he was debating. He was he was speaking. He was it's like from the very beginning, Jesus had this passion to go and do his father's business. And he didn't let distractions stop him. He didn't let people stop him. He didn't let situations discourage him. You follow me? He just had this passion. He said, well, yeah, pastor, that's Jesus. I'm not Jesus, pastor. Jesus was 100% human, just like we are. He experienced everything that we experience. Distractions came at him and they called his name. Temptations came at him and they called his name. People tried to shut him down, just like people try to shut you down. But Jesus refused to let anything or anybody keep him from his mission. You see, what I understand about Jesus is that he understood that he only had but a brief window on this earth. He only had a small window to get some things done. It wasn't about the work. It was about the call. God had a mission for him, just like he does for every one of us. And Jesus understood, I only got a small window. But this window is here just to, just to set up for where we're going next. Is this making sense? His passion was not for the here and now. His passion was for the the then and there. And that's what drove him to take care of the here and now. You see, when we focus on the here and now so much, we forget about the here and there. The, the there, no, that didn't come out right. The then and there. Thank you so much. We forget about the then and there. And when you lose sight of the cross or you lose sight of eternity... You then get consumed by the here and now. And then distractions seem bigger and temptation seems bigger and people's voices seem louder. Right? Because we're focused on the right here. How I feel today determines what I'm going to do tomorrow. And it's a trick of the enemy. I think about Jesus being in the desert for, for 40 days, being tempted by the enemy. Man, he was throwing his best at him. Jesus, listen to me, Jesus was hungry. I mean, after the first day of missing a meal, you're hungry. But after the second day, you're hungry. Jesus was hungry. And the enemy tempted him with food. And he didn't let it keep him from his destination. So Jesus had this incredible passion to just do what the Father wanted him to do. And man, I, 
I'll be honest with you, I want that passion too. I'm praying, God, give me that passion. Give me that passion that says, you know what? I'm not going to focus on the here and now. I'm going to keep my eyes set on the then and there. And, and the here and now is just going to be anointed because I'm walking with that in mind and not this in mind. And God's going to use me here because my mind ain't on it. I want the passion that Jesus has. I pray for this church. I want us to have the passion that he has. I'm telling you right now, I'm seeing a church. I was reminded, I heard a song this week uh, from two years ago. We were doing 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And, and there was a song by uh, Jesus Cultured called uh, something about a river. And, and, and we were listening to the song. We were in here praying. And the Lord showed me that there's, there's going to be a river flowing through this city down 190. And on each side of this river, life's going to begin to happen. And I went, Lord, I want to be a part of that. I want this church to be a part of that. I want that living water to flow through this city and things that have been dead for ages start to come to life. Amen? And so I'm believing for this church to become passionate. That we take authority over every place that God places our foot. Every place that I walk, God's given me authority. You've got to understand this as believers, that you have the authority on the planet. It's been given to you by God himself. He says, when you go to Walmart, you got authority in Walmart. When you go to Popeye's, don't succumb to the chicken. Walk in your authority. Everywhere we go, we have the authority of Christ living inside of us. And we go in with the mindset of the then and there that I'm here for there. I'm not here for right now, but because I'm here for there, I'm going to take care of the here and now. And I see folks that are hurting. I see folks that need some help. I see folks that are lost and blind. And I begin to share the hope that I have inside of me with authority that I don't care if you tell me to shut up. Right? School teachers have authority in schools. I know many teachers that when they pass the rules, they said, oh, you can't talk about God. You can't do this. They're like, yeah, right. <laughs> and they kept on preaching in school. Little kids getting saved every day. And look at now, we've been given a high, I mean, a, a, an elementary school. And it's like, the limit's off, baby. Whatever you want to talk about, do it. I get to go sit down with four kids every week on Thursday, four boys. I get, I get them as long as I want. <laughs> and we sit down in chairs across from each other and we talk about life and I can tell them anything. I have the authority that Christ has given me, right? If I'll get some passion with that authority, there's nothing that's impossible for me. And so Jesus has this incredible passion. And I go, man, Lord, I want that. I want this church to have that. I want to see people get saved, Lord. I'm believing for right now that just, that just a boldness. I'm praying today. My, my prayer for this message is that today we'll leave here with a new passion. A new passion. How many of you say, I, I could use a new passion? Maybe, maybe I could use a little fresh fire on my wood. <laughs> I could use a spark. So let's talk about the cross, the grave, the resurrection, and the ascension real quick. All four Gospels uh, tell the story of the cross and the grave and the resurrection. And it's pretty incredible because four different people wrote the Gospels and they all, it, it's accurate. They all tell the same story. Not, not one of them contradicts the other. But here's what's interesting is that only two of the writers write about the ascension into heaven. All four write about the cross the, the grave and the resurrection, but only two of them talk about the ascension into heaven. And that's Luke and Mark. And so this morning, I want to go to Luke chapter 40, uh, 23. There is no 40 something. Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 44. Let me give you the buildup. We're talking about the cross first. Jesus is on the cross now. Let me give you the pre-story. Jesus is on the cross. He's, he's been beaten and bruised and all that. He's been nailed to the cross. He's hanging on the cross. There's two guys hanging next to him. One who's ridiculing Jesus and the other who says, man, you need to shut up because you don't know who you're talking to. And he says, Lord, would you remember me? And then <laughs> this is so cool. This guy gets literally saved in the last hour of his life. Think about that. 
You talk about, whew, just made it. <laughs> I'm going, man, dude, you're on the cross <laughs> and Jesus saves you. And so Jesus never lost sight of the then and there, even on the cross. And then Jesus makes this profound statement in verse 34. I'm just giving you the, the priest story. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And then that's where they start to gamble for his clothes and all those things. We've talked about that a couple weeks ago. Verse 44, it says this. By this time it was noon, so the middle of the day, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. Say gone. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. So get this. It's the middle of the day. Jesus is on the cross. All of a sudden, darkness falls. The the light from the sun is gone. Okay? And then Jesus makes this very profound statement. He says, Father, I entrust you with my spirit. And I go, man, hold on a second. Think about that for a minute. This is Jesus, right? Jesus is saying to God, and he's on the cross, Lord, I trust you with my spirit. (laughs) You see, the cross is not just a place of death. The cross is a place of surrender. The cross is a place where we come to Jesus and we go, I trust you. I surrender. I give up. I trust you. I trust my spirit. Jesus said, I entrust my spirit with you. You see, every believer needs to have a cross experience. Every believer needs to experience the power and the, and the emotion and the, and the freedom that's tied into the cross. Every believer needs to experience that. Every believer needs to understand that Christ gave up his life so that our sins could be forgiven and all our filth could be washed away and that we would have an opportunity to surrender our lives to him. And then he would receive them. <laughs> right? It's not like we're forcing ourselves on him. The cross just made the way. It's like God saying, okay, here, come on. Come on. Come to me. And so Jesus gave his last breath. He breathed his last breath. No one took it from him. Jesus surrendered it. It was something he intended to do, something he had thought about ahead of time. It was in his plans. It was on his mind. He knew where he was going. His eyes were set. I think about the garden and I go, man, Jesus was in the garden. He was wrestling with this. You hearing me? He was wrestling with the cross. He was like, Lord, is there any other way? I mean, can we like, can we do this any other way besides this way? Three times he asked that question. But watch this. When he got up the third time. Did he ever question it again? What did he do? He set his eyes on the cross and he went forward. And he didn't turn back. And he surrendered. He surrendered. He gave his life for us on the cross. You see, he didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it necessarily for God. He did it for us. Look at your neighbor and say, man, he did that for you. You can use your Cajun accent. It's okay. He breathed his last breath. Verse 47. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. So, so even in the experience of the cross, the guy who's just close to the cross, the guy who was there to make sure that Jesus didn't get off the cross and nobody took him from the cross, the guy that was there working for the man... Falls and starts to worship God when he experiences the cross. There's power in the cross. There's power in the experience of the cross. And every believer should experience the cross. Every one of us. And then verse 48 says, And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. Some translations say they went home beating their chest. God, you see, people, many people are going to come to the cross, but many people are going to have different experiences at the cross. Some are going to come into a, a life of surrender and have this incredible 
Roman officer type of experience at the cross. And then others are going to walk away from the cross and beat their chest in deep sorrow. Right? I wish I could tell you that everyone I preached to got saved. I wish I could tell you that everyone that I told about the cross and the grave and the resurrection got saved, but they didn't. I wish I could tell you they're all following Jesus right now, but they're not. God calls us in. He he draws us in by the Holy Spirit, but it's our responsibility to answer. It's our responsibility to surrender. God doesn't force us to surrender. It's something we have to do with our own will. Galatians chapter 6, Paul says it like this, verse 14. He says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, watch this, my interest in the world or in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. Paul says, man, I love the cross. There's nothing like the cross. It was at the cross that the old me died and the new man was raised to life. That's, that's what happened at the cross. As I went and I took my old self and I said, here, die. <laughs> and don't come back to life. <laughs> right? Some of you this week, you're like, <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> right? That old anger wants to come out of you. You're dead. I'm not hearing this. But Paul says, my interest in this world and the world's interest in me has been crucified. You know what the cross represents? The cross represents leaving my former life. Leaving the way I used to do things, my thinking, my processing, my emotions. I'm leaving all that and I'm taking on this new life in him. My interest in the world crucified. Paul says the only thing that's important is that you become a new creation. See, it's at the cross where our eyes are open to the new life Christ has for us. At the cross, our new, our new creation begins. But I want you to remember something this morning. Jesus didn't stay at the cross. Neither did his disciples. In fact, nobody stayed at the cross. The Bible goes on to say in the next verse of of Luke, it says, but friends of Jesus, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. They eventually went home. You see, the cross was meant for every person to experience. Every one of us needs to have a cross experience, but we're never intended to stay there. Jesus didn't stay on the cross. Paul, I mean, not Paul. uh, Peter didn't stay at the cross. John didn't stay at the cross. Those guys eventually went on with their life, but they had a cross experience that forever changed them. Amen? And all of us are meant to experience the cross, but we don't have to stay there. Because you see, people get funny when they stay at the cross. They get, they get a little sad. They don't have no joy. Sorrow is their best friend. They become critical, cynical, and judgmental. When people stop at the cross. Because it is a place of death. It is a place of surrender. But God intended us for, to have, for us to have that experience to surrender to Jesus And then to move on. Right? To move on. Well, well, where did Jesus go next? Jesus went to the grave. Come on. (laughs) Next step, the grave. (laughs) Signing up. Anybody signing up for the grave? Making sense yet? Verse 53, watch this. Man, I'm sweating bad. Verse 53 says this, Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb 
that had been carved out of rock. So watch this. Jesus gives up his last breath. All these people have this experience. He dies on the cross. Understand me. Jesus is dead. Dead. Not in a coma. Not not in a trance. He is dead. They take him off the cross. One of the one of the uh, chief council members, our, our, our priest, who didn't agree with what they did to Jesus, but didn't say it openly. He actually went and bought a tomb, a brand new tomb that was carved out of rock. And he, he, he went to the chief priest and he says, can I have the body and can I bury him? And they said, yes. Yeah. So he wrapped him in a, in a cloth, a sheet, a, a sheet made of cloth, and they brought him to the grave and they buried him. In the grave. And I go, wow. The disciples were feeling like, that's it? Like, all of this was for that? Like, really? And I go this morning, I'm going, well, what did Jesus do in the grave? I mean, did he just kind of sit up on the bench and chill out and say, okay, help? I mean, what did Jesus do in the grave? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus went down to the place called Hades or Shoal. It's not necessarily hell, but that's he went down into the place called Hades and Shoal. And the Bible says that he took back the keys of death in the grave. Now, this is very important because you're going to have to understand this, that every believer needs to have a grave experience. Also, you need to get up from the cross and you need to go to the grave and have a grave experience. What does that mean? Jesus went to Hades to Shoal and he took back the keys of two things, death and the grave. Now, this is important because death in the grave represents something. Jesus took back the keys of death which means that he now has the power over death. Okay, he holds the keys to death. You get to understand this. Jesus has all authority over death. All authority. He holds the keys. Ultimate authority over death and the grave. The grave represents the place that will we'll finally rest. Some theologians believe that Jesus went to Hades and he, he took back some of the old saints. And he brought them up into a new resting place. Because he has the authority now. And so Jesus has the authority over death and the grave. You need to let that sink in for a minute. He holds the power over death and and the grave. <laughs> well, let that marinate for a minute. Because you've got to get this. Because every believer has to get this. Why does every believer need to have a grave experience? Because every believer needs to submit to the authority that Jesus has. Every believer needs to have a healthy fear in them that Jesus holds the keys to death and the grave. He's the one who controls death and he controls the grave. He controls heaven and he controls hell. He controls death and he controls our destination. Are you with me? He has that authority. That is all authority, people. We think we have authority in our life. You ain't got squat compared to what Jesus has got. Because he's got your final resting place in his hand. He's got the keys, baby. And every believer must submit to his authority. Every believer must come to a grave experience where we go, okay, he's got the keys. He's got the authority. That means that I don't and I need to submit to him and I need to walk under his authority. Watch this. And not my own. Because your authority will only get you in trouble. Jesus' authority will get you to heaven. Amen? Submit to his authority. What does that mean? That means that you know what? I've, I've been crucified with Christ. It is not I who live, but him who lives inside of me. I've been crucified and now he's living inside of me. I'm under his authority. In other words, my life's getting better. <laughs> I just got a promotion. I submitted to his authority. It's not a bad thing. Come on, people, it's not a bad thing. If Jesus wants to take away the blue bell and the crack and the alcohol, that's not a bad thing. 
<laughs> right? He wants to set you free from depression and anxiety and worry and anger. That's a good thing. Let it go. Submit to his authority. Say, Lord, I don't know how to get rid of this. I don't know how to get rid of this, but I understand that you have the authority. Would you help me? It's a crying out in desperation. Lord, I understand what you did in the grave. And I submit myself to that. Is this making sense? I know I probably got this mean look on my face. Just understand that's passion. I hope. I'm picking. Revelations 1.18 says this. I am the living one. I died. But look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death in the grave. Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad that Jesus is in control of your destination? (laughs) Aren't you glad that he holds the keys to death in the grave and nobody else has them? You know what that means? That means that when Jesus has the keys to death in the grave, that means the cross is enough. That means that when you surrender on the cross and your sins are forgiven and your past is washed away and your eternal destination is locked, sealed, and delivered because Jesus holds the key. He's not going to change the game on you. He's not going to come in halfway through your Christian life and say, oh, well, you know what? You need to be circumcised. <laughs> I'm out, bro. I'm done. Forget this. You got you, you to start doing this or you, you got to start doing that or you got you to pay more of this and you got to, to be saved. He doesn't do that. He doesn't change the game. He holds the keys. It's not going to change. The cross is enough. What Jesus did on the cross is enough and there'll always be enough. There'll never be anything else added to it or taken away from it because he holds the keys. At the cross, I receive forgiveness And at the grave is where I receive adoption into his incredible spiritual family. It's at the grave when I submit myself to him. I say, Lord, I surrender to your lordship. I come up underneath your authority. I I, I honor your authority. I I, I give glory to your authority. I respect your authority. I want to live under your authority. He goes, well, then come on in. (laughs) I got a seat just for you. Come on in and be a part of this family. But you see, Jesus didn't stay there either. He didn't stop at the cross and he didn't stop at the grave. He rose from that place into another. And I've noticed many Christians, including myself, have tried to bypass the grave. We're like, I'll take me some salvation with a side of resurrection. But you can hold the grave, baby. I don't want to submit to nobody. I can't even submit to myself. I got so much of an authority issue, I can't even be my own authority. Right? It's like we have authority issues, and some of us, we just honestly don't want to submit to God's authority. We still want the power to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do it. And we don't like to be told what to do. Can I tell you, if you live in that way, you're honestly not fully submitted to God. And and then probably the reason you're having all this trouble in your life is because of your hard-headed stubbornness and your resistance to submit to His authority. Get you some of that. <laughs> God resists the proud, y'all. Come on, somebody. He resists the proud, but what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the if you'll humble yourself under Jesus' authority, he's gonna give you grace. But as long as you're stubborn and you want to do things your own way, when you want to do them and how you want to do them, you're gonna face resistance. Oh man, why? Why does this keep happening? And why does that keep? I don't know. Maybe you're stubborn. Maybe you're hard headed. Maybe you won't submit to him. Maybe you won't come clean with something. Maybe you won't let him be in control anymore. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I mean, maybe that's it. Man, we sure want to bypass the grave, don't we? We want to be in control of our eternal destination. We want to tell God how we going to get there, when we going to get there, and what it's going to look like when we get there. But let me remind you of who's got the keys. Jesus has got the keys. And you may not understand his authority right now, but I promise you one day you will. When he's sitting on that great white throne and the judgment time comes and you're walking up to that moment, they call your name. Bill, step forward. 
and you step up to the, you're going to understand some authority then. You're going to be, oh, shoot, Pastor Jamie was right. And I'm going to be on the side going, I told you. I told you. I'm, I'm going I'm to let all of you hang. I'm going to throw you under the bus. Lord, I told no, I'm joking. I told them, Lord, hard-headed people. I'm just picking. But Jesus didn't stay at the grave. He went on to the resurrection. <laughs> Aren't you glad he didn't stop? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't stop at the cross or he didn't stop at the grave? But man, he kept on going. Chapter 24, verse, verse 1. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Don't you remember when Jesus told you that he was that this was going to happen? Don't you remember? Verse eight, then they remembered (laughs) that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11, his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. So watch this. They come to the grave expecting to, to do something with Jesus' body and prepare it. And, and they get there. The stone's out the way. It's empty. They go in. The angel appears. They fall on their knees. He says, don't you remember what Jesus said? Why is it so hard for us to remember? Why do we have to do communion every month? To remember, right? Why? Because we forget. (laughs) Come on, somebody. We forget. The angel says, don't you remember that he told you what was going to happen, but that he would rise again? Don't you remember he's going to rise again? Like, why are you so surprised? Why don't you realize? Why are you so sad? I mean, the angels were like, you've been told he's going to rise again. Did you not believe it? Did you not understand what he said? He's going to rise again. You should be excited about that. You should be sitting at home going, okay, that was day one. There was day two. Oh, here it comes. Right? Jesus rose from the grave. He didn't stay there. The Bible says that God raised him from the grave we call it resurrected life resurrection power it's something from it's something about leaving a place of death and coming into a place of life that's called resurrection and jesus experienced the cross he experienced the grave and he experienced the resurrection and every believer should experience the cross experience the grave but we should live in resurrection power We should live with resurrected life. He didn't want you to stay at the cross. He he didn't want you to stay at the grave. He says, I want you to get to resurrection. Watch what Paul says in Philippians. I may be getting ahead of myself. Nope, right on time. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. He says this. Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Get you some of that. How many of you want that? I want to share in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now watch this. He's not talking about a one-time resurrection. He's not talking about the last day of your life when you get resurrected into heaven. He's talking about a daily resurrection. It's a constant day-to-day resurrection that I'm living in resurrected life. That the the old me wants to come back. People want to say this. The enemy's throwing this at me. Circumstances pop up in front of me. But I am resurrected. I'm living resurrection life every day. Paul says, I want to experience this every day. 
every day. Listen to me. Believers are meant to live resurrected lives. We're not to meant we're not meant to live cross lives or grave lives. We're meant to live resurrected lives. And Jesus says, saying to some of you this morning, okay, I appreciate you loving the cross, but you need to move on because there's a grave and you need to submit to my authority. So some of you this morning are wrestling with his authority. And you're saying, I don't know if I can submit to that. I don't know if I can trust him. One way or the other, you're going to bow to him. I would err on the side of trusting him (laughs) instead of fighting against him. And let me ask you this question. You've been fighting for this long. How's it going for you? Don't you think it's time to try something different? And some of us have stopped at the grave or maybe even tried to bypass the grave. Some of us haven't experienced resurrection life. Some of us were raised up in this old foolish gospel that says you got to live this beat down, always submitted life where you're just kind of like this, this old worn out servant, this old worn out slave. And you just live your Christian life like this. And woe is me. And every time God tries to bless you, you push it away. And every time he tries to do something incredible in your life, you don't believe it because you think that you're supposed to be beat down all the time. Can I tell you, Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to be beat down. Paul said the thing that he was going after was resurrection power, was resurrection life. Paul said, I'll suffer with him. I'll share in his death one way or the other so that I can experience resurrection life. Every one of us is supposed to live a resurrected life. What does that mean, pastor? That means that your old life is gone. A new life has begun. That means your old habits are gone. Your old ways are gone. Your old attitude is gone. You need to live in the new life. Your old habits, your old cronies, the people that used to pull you down, they're gone. Let them stay gone. Your old attitudes, your stubbornness, it's gone. Why? Because it was nailed to the cross and it was buried in the grave. And it didn't get resurrected. (laughs) You're carrying around dead fragments of your old life with you, thinking that you got to have that with you, that this belongs to you now. Oh, that's my anger and and that's my sin and and that's my, well, that's my Achilles heel and and that's the thing that I struggle with. And, you know, my papa was an alcoholic and my daddy was an alcoholic and, you know, I just struggle with drinking. So I drink a little bit on the side, but you know, I don't drink too much. And we, we carry around these old fragments of our dead self. And God's going, why don't you leave that in the grave? I thank God that he showed me how to let go of my old life and live a resurrected life. Because if I do what my daddy's done, I'd be on my fourth or fifth marriage right now and still looking for somebody else to sleep with. I'd I'd be looking to things to fill this void in my life that'll never fill this void in my life. That was broken off of me. I live a resurrected life. I don't have to live that way anymore. Amen? It's done. It's been buried. It's been hung on the cross and buried in the grave. And God wants me to live a resurrected life. And Paul had this crazy passion. And he just said, you know what? Forget my life. Forget my education. Forget everything that I've accomplished. That's all garbage. I just want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Resurrection life seems to me like it feels like newness. It feels like a fresh start. It seems like a clear conscience. You remember, you know what it's like to have a clear conscience? Like when you, how many of you, okay, how many of you like confessed something before? Lord, we in trouble. Half of you haven't confessed nothing. But you, you remember what it felt like when you confessed that thing and you finally got it off your chest? You remember that? And it was just like, oh, it felt like a clear conscience, right? What, what did that feel like? It was so, it was light, it was light. It was a light heart experience, not light hearted, but a light heart experience where you, your heart became light. And the thing that was weighing you down, the thing you've been trying to hide, 
the thing you've been keeping from everybody, the thing you were uh, fussing about and arguing about, you finally let it go and, and your conscience became clear and your heart became light. That's, that's resurrected life. It's living free from the old chains. It's like the Verizon commercial where the lady's dragging the letters to Verizon and the guy's sitting on the bench and he goes, snip, and she falls flat on her face because she'd been dragging this burden with her the whole time and she'd been set free. I go, wow, that's so spiritual. (laughs) A flipping Verizon commercial. (laughs) It's being set free from your past. Not having to carry that around anymore. That's the resurrection life. Yeah, and when people see the, yeah, you was, man, this dude, you go to your class reunion and say, whoo, that girl there, was, she was loose and wild. And you go, well, I'm tightened right now, so, <laughs> with Jesus I'm talking about. And people may say things about who you used to be, but you don't live under that pressure anymore. You don't live under that burden anymore. Come on, that's what resurrection life feels like. There's nothing to hide. I don't need to hide anything. No burdens. No more weight of sin. We're expected to live this resurrected life now that we've experienced the cross and the grave. But only Christ has the power and the authority to give us resurrection life. And you only get to resurrection when there's been a cross and a grave. You see, the cross was set up for us to surrender to The grave was set up for us to submit under his authority. And the resurrection was set up for us to live this small window of time that we have on this planet to live resurrection life. People aren't attracted to funerals. They're attracted to weddings. Right? They're not attracted to people that are still living dead lives. They're attracted to resurrection life. They're attracted to you getting past your past. They're attracted to you getting over your addictions. They're attracted to you living this resurrected life where there's actually something good happening in your life. People are drawn to that. That's what we're expected to live in the small window while we're here. So every believer should be excited to be a Christian. I'm about to step on some toes. You shouldn't be thinking that Christianity is boring because it's not boring. When people go, man, Christianity is so boring. I'm just so tired. It's just, it's mundane. I mean, we got to go do this again and we got to go do that again. I'm sitting going, what the heck's wrong with you? I get to do this and I get to do that and I get to go there and I get to speak to these people. What's the difference? (laughs) Resurrected life? Cross life? Resurrected life? Never experienced resurrection? This is the greatest adventure I've ever lived. I love what I do. Not just being a pastor. I love being a Christian. I love walking into the room and seeing the atmosphere change when the presence of Jamie comes in. Which is possessed by the presence of God, by the way, because the presence of Jamie isn't enough. It's big, but it's not enough. But I walk into situations, I look people in the eye and I shake their hands and I begin to see something change. I go, I have resurrection life living inside of me. And I have the authority while I'm here on this planet to walk in that life. And no matter where I go, I get to see God move. I get to be used by God. (laughs) How can you say Christianity is boring? Religious folks say, oh, well, there's not enough happening in the church. There's not enough people falling on the floor. People don't get saved when they fall on the floor. How about you going to a school that's the poorest one in the parish and speaks life into some kids and change the situation? How about you take the people that are in your job or in your life right now and you let God use you to change their life? Amen? Amen? It's long been time for you to get past your past and to get moving on into resurrection life. I feel like singing that song, let it go, let it go. I don't know the words anymore, but let it go, let it go. (laughs) You'll remember that point. It's time for us to live resurrected. You're not in the grave anymore. You're not on the cross anymore. You've been resurrected. But here's what's crazy is Jesus didn't stop there either. 
He didn't stop at the cross. He didn't stop at the grave. He didn't stop at the resurrection. The Bible says he spent about another 40 days after he rose from the grave. He showed himself to his disciples, proved himself to his disciples, spent 40 days giving them some final instructions. I love the way the Bible says that he, they had breakfast together on the beach. I go, man, how cool is that? I mean, that just speaks volumes about Jesus' relationship with us. That you can literally chill out on the beach with a little fire going with some fresh fish and some bread. And Jesus would just sit there and love on you. That's good stuff. I don't care what you say. Hangs out for about another 40 days. And only Mark and Luke talk about the ascension. And then it's also found in Acts. And I want to read those to you. In Mark 16, it says, when the Lord Jesus has finished talking with them. He was taken up into heaven and sat down in a place of honor at God's right hand. Say this. Say he's at God's right hand. And he's got keys in his hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Luke 24 says, Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifted his hands to heaven. He blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, really gives a better description than any of them about what happened on that day. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6, Jesus is with his disciples. And he says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling me, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white robed men suddenly stood among them. They just stood there. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has taken you, has ta- Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Hold on a second. He's coming back? You mean he's coming back? I mean, just like he left, he's going to come back? Just how we watched him ascend into heaven, one day we're going to see him descend back to earth? You mean he's going to come back? You mean I, I can experience the cross? I can experience the grave? I can live a resurrected life? But he's coming back? That means he's coming back for what? He's coming back to get me? Oh my gosh, he's going to take me from here? Yes, he's going to take me from here. Where? To heaven. Come on. We're going to heaven, people. Okay, people that aren't saved aren't going to heaven. Hello? Hello? They're going to hell. People that experience the cross, the grave, the resurrection are going to experience the ascension back into heaven. He's coming to pick us up and bring us home. Come on, somebody. No more bills. No more taxes. No more speed limits. No more calories. No more fat pants. No more headaches. No more sweating. (laughs) No more crazy people. Come on, somebody. No more drama. Right? Streets of gold. Fords everywhere. For all the really sanctified people. Let me show you this and I'm going to wrap it up. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul, ma- Paul makes this statement. And you've got to understand this. He says this. I press on to reach the end of the race. And receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul says, I'm I'm pressing on to heaven. Everything that I do is for the then and there. Not for the here and now. I'm I'm not working hard for right now. I'm not trying to gain something right now. My salvation was taken care of on the cross. My, my authority was taken care of in the grave. I'm living a resurrected life, but I'm working hard. Come on, somebody. I'm working hard not to gain salvation. Not to gain salvation. I'm working hard. I'm pressing on. Watch this. To gain a prize. Here's the good news. Not only do we get to go to heaven, we get prizes. 
I'm not talking about like a, a, a dumb dumb. I'm talking about like a real prize. <laughs> you know, when you used to go to the bank with your mom and the, and the teller would say, here's a little dumb dumb for your dumb dumb. No. <laughs> we get a prize. Theologians believe that Paul wasn't talking about the prize being heaven. Paul's talking about the rewards we get when we go through the white throne judgment. And, God, and Jesus opens up the books and he sees everything that we did. And he goes, he rewards us for that. So watch this. Paul makes this outlandish statement. I'm working hard for the prize. Is that wrong? Is it wrong to work hard for the prize? If you got pride issues, it is. <laughs> Why was Paul in love with the prize? Because he wasn't worried about his salvation anymore. That was already taken care of. He made a one-time decision that Jesus would be the authority of his life. Never had to make that again. Wasn't worried about those things. What's left? Heaven and the prize, baby. How do you get the prize? By doing what God tells you to do while you're on the planet. So Paul says, I want some prizes. I'm going to go get them. Here's why. Because Paul understood that if I get a lot of prizes, it's because I brought a lot of glory to Jesus. If I get a lot of prizes, it's because I brought a lot of people to heaven. If I get a lot of prizes, it's because I did what God told me to do. And the prizes are nice, but the greater thing is that I brought glory to God. I didn't bring glory to myself. I brought glory to God. My life meant something. It had a purpose. It changed the world around me. And I just can't believe that when we get to heaven, God goes, enter into your rest. And here you go, baby. I love you. So it's okay to be in love with the prize. Chase the prize. In fact, do like Paul and forget about everything else in your life and press on to the prize. I dare you. Because your life will be spent lifting up Jesus. And the Bible says when his name's lifted up, he draws all men to himself. Get you some of that. Amen? So we should experience the grave. I mean, the cross. We should experience the grave. We should, we should be living resurrection life, pressing towards the prize, like Paul says. Some people stay at the cross. Some stay in the grave. Come on, Steve. Others experience resurrection life. Here's the good news. No matter where you find yourself today, you can still move on up.